step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road. Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here I can feel the change in the way right now Nothing's in my way And I'm not gonna hold me down no more No, I'm not gonna hold me down Cause I've got faith I'm the heart Good evening, everyone. This Good is Dr. Online. Dr. Online. Coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And we have a great show for you tonight. A pioneer in the area of epigenetics and nutrigenomics, Sterling Hill Erdine. But before we get to Sterling and I introduce her, I just want to make one people who um, have been waiting for the video of the MABIM seminar. Uh, it is going to be out in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out on MABIM.org, and there'll be a link uh, to um, get the seminar in its entirety. There's some talk about chopping it up into various um, pieces so that people who only want one area can buy one area. Um, that's all in flux at the moment, but nevertheless, within a couple of weeks, it will be out. So let's get right to it. I would like to introduce Sterling Hill Erdi. I got to tell you something. I know Sterling for several years now. She is one of the true pioneers in this profession. You can always tell the pioneers because they are the ones with the arrows in their backs. Okay, and I got to tell you something. This woman is not only one of the most giving, loving, and, you know, just doing it for the right reason kind of people. She's one of the most intelligent women I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Um, there is nothing, there's not a lazy bone in her body. And, um, we're going to be asking her all the tough questions tonight, like why the app and, you know, why 23 and me and stuff like that. So the, uh, chat room has filled up immediately. I'm amazed. Okay. We haven't, we haven't been here for three minutes and the chat room is just exploding. Uh, if you look on, um, my website, uh, mthfrsupport.com, uh, bioindividualized medicine page, you're going to see a link 
for the PDF tonight. The PDF is uh, simply a, um, a couple drawings. It's only about four pages long, and uh, we're going to be using it as a reference when Sterling gets to it. Welcome, Sterling. How are you tonight? Doing just fine. How are you? I'm having a grand time. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Um, you know, I know everybody knows about Sterling's app. Um, they, sometimes they don't realize it's actually you. It's named after you. So could you give us a just kind of a short uh, history, a short feeling as to uh, why you got into this and what led you down this road and who, you, who you've actually taught about methylation and uh, MTHFR and stuff, because that's where it all started. Yeah, well, um, I first got into this. Um, I actually was laying in a hospital um, for two and a half months with a pulmonary embolism, fighting for my life. Doctors saw I was severely folate deficient, and I had a few other things going on. And um, they put me on folic acid. And I was on folic acid for several years, um, which probably was one of the causes of a polyp on my colon that was just removed. Um, now, knowing folic acid's not good for you, um, I um, stick with folate-rich foods. Um, also, um, I started delving into genetics. You know, why, why am I sick? What have I done? How can I um, do better? And I went to a geneticist in my hometown, New Orleans, and I asked to be checked for two particular genes that I was pretty sure I had. Other doctors had told me I had that most likely, and they were probably causing some issues. They wanted to verify it. The geneticist told me that he was not going to test me for those genes. So I told him that I would do my 23andMe. He kind of rolled his eyes at me and told me that nobody could understand it. And I told him that I would make sure that everybody understood it and they would be able to get access to their genetic raw data, and I would get it out there for him. So you can thank that geneticist for denying me why you have the app out right now. <laughs> that's kind of well, a short story to me. That's, that's great because that just shows the fact that you're Sicilian, so <laughs> you got things done by becoming yeah. angry. <laughs> yeah, I'll show them. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, you, you brought up a good point. Uh, people who do the 23andMe, there's a couple of reasons they do it. Number one, um, because it does give you access to the raw data, but uh, it isn't in and of itself, uh, unless uh, you're pretty knowledgeable, you can't really go searching each of the genes by your lonesome. Um, so a lot of people don't realize why there needs to be computer applications. Can you tell the audience uh, what is it that your application or any of the apps out there really, but what your application does with the raw data in 23andMe? Well, what we do, um, my husband helps out here. Um, then um, we have uh, people like you, Cynthia, Sean, that, um, you know, throw genes to us. We, we really need to look into this. This is important. Other practitioners as well. And... We go into 23andMe and we see if um, they have pulled out those SNPs. They've tested them. They're on their variant chip. And um, then what we do is we we um, pull out the SNPs that are relevant that we find peer-reviewed research on, and we get them out on the report. And then we like to section them out. Um, you know, some SNPs, for instance, 
comps not only has to do with um, phase two liver detox methylation, but it also has to do with estrogen, you know, and, um, you know, mental health issues. So we've got it in a few areas. And we we um, like to show people how they work in different areas, and that's where Cynthia came up with the diagrams to start showing people how they work in different areas in the body, different pathways. Um, we feel that that's really important to know. And if I don't if I don't miss my guess, one of the uh, one of the things that people don't really understand is that the genes we're talking about the epigenome. Uh, the genes are things that encode enzymes, and enzymes are the uh, things that run the biochemical processes of the body. So what we're really talking about is how well your biochemical processes work or potentially how well they work, no? Yeah. Um, and um, you can kind you can look at the um, pathways, and you can't necessarily say, for instance, when somebody has MTHFR, because so many people have MTHFR, you cannot say that, oh, let me give this person a bunch of folate. Um, I kind of like the way Stephen Gundry puts it. Um, we had him on our show, um, mm-hmm. the genetics or the hand you have been dealt, and the way you play your hand will result in the outcome. So just because you have MTHFR does not mean you're folate deficient. Okay, um, some of it has to do with diet, lifestyle, environment as well. And, um, you know, I feel it's very important. Hence the saying, saying, Mm -hmm. genetics loads the gun and environment pulls the trigger. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we're all very much stuck on, uh, on SNPs which everybody uh, who, you know, SNPs or polymorphisms, same word, single, singular nucleotide polymorphisms, um, and uh, and we talk about genes. And what it, can you tell us, I mean, tell us for real, what is a polymorphism? What does it mean? So I'm looking at your, your uh, report, and I see a sea of green, red, and yellow, Okay. What is a polymorphism? Okay. What do they mean, and how do they? How do we know if it's a problem or not? Well, um, you know, you have, for instance, you have a gene MTHFR, okay, and MTHFR has twenty thousand base pairs. Those are your singular nucleotide polymorphisms. Some of them are dead; they they, they don't even have any, you know relevance on anything, but there's a few, a handful in there that aren't. For instance, A1298C and C677T, those are each a polymorphism, a singular nucleotide polymorphism, okay? And, um, you know, you've got to look at the overall picture of them as well. Um, For instance, um, we know that catalytic activity for MTHFR is 5-methylene tetrahydrofolate, and then also niacin. Do you? I mean, how many um, how many doctors out there treating the SNP and not the person just throw at people a bunch of folate? What if the red blood cell folate's fine, but their niacin is low? Okay. And then the cofactor for it is vitamin B2. What if they're low on B2, but then they're fine on 5-methylene tetrahydrofolate and niacin? And then the enzyme regulation is acetylmethionine, which is CME. And if if they're low on homocysteine and they need a little CME support, 
again, MTHFR is not going to function. They need to look at all these things. They need to stop having people go into the doctor's offices and say, hey, I have MTHFR. Oh, here's a whole bunch of folate. Those are, it's not only 5-methylfolate, but it's also niacin, B2, and CME that play a role in MTHFR. How many Absolutely. practitioners have that? And, no, you know, no. and then you've got to look at each uh, organism. You know, I see yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Well, you bring up a really, really good point um, that a polymorphism, just because the a polymorphism is there or a SNP is there, does not necessarily mean that you're ill or that it's expressing. And um, on the other hand, the lack of a polymorphism, if it happens to be green, can that... Can those genes be made to be dysfunctional? Um, well, we know with comp, well, we know for instance, comp V158M H62H. I've talked to several psychiatrists, and uh, many of them are telling me they would rather see somebody heterozygous up with, with the comp V158M and H62H. Um, one a risk one one way and a risk another way can have implications. For instance, when when you're homozygous and it is expressing, okay, it is um, it is um, not functioning properly. Um, you you can have elevations of dopamine, epi, norepi, but when it is green, you can actually have lower levels when chronically ill of dopamine, epi, norepi. A lot of psychiatrists are telling me they like to see someone heterozygous up in there, and there's a few coming out with books right now. Um, just by what they're getting off of my app and what they're running through their patients. Um, now, um, now again, you can have, um, for instance, sulfonotransferase gene, SLUT, okay? You can have all those green and running fine, but if you're running low on B6 and you run out of ATP, those still can express. I mean, they still can cause problems because you shut off sulfation. So what you're saying is it's not only what can crash the pathway, the traffic in the pathway, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, from the root causes. It's the lack of cofactors and coenzymes, which are vitamins and minerals yeah. that can cause the genetic pathways or the enzymatic pathways not to work. Yeah. So it's not just the – so the a polymorphism just heightens the probability that that enzyme is not going to work at its peak efficiency, but – a combination of a lack of cofactors or a lack of coenzymes or too much what I like to call traffic in the pathways where you're having, you know, the downstream effects of candida or Lyme or whatever can also make a perfectly normally functioning or perfectly looking normal function dysfunction. A green can actually act like a red or a yellow. Yes, it can. Stephanie Sinap has proven it with GMOs glyphosate roundup. She's mm-hmm. proving it that the CYP pathway can be compromised just by consuming um, genetically modified foods. Um, you don't well, even have tell you, as many chips up there. So. Well, I, I remember that uh, that interview that I did because I, all I did for two hours go, was go, yeah, really? I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'll tell you, it, it answered a question for me. I've been in practice a good long time, okay? Uh, and next month, I'll be in practice 39 years. Okay, i got to get a life. Anyway, um, the uh, I had been seeing over my almost four decades of in practice where people, kids, are getting sicker earlier. And it's absolutely 
the GMO the um, GMO foods. It's absolutely what yeah, they've been I, spraying on them because it destroys the gut. I feel it's a combination. Can I give my um, theory here? Please, absolutely. I'm just uh, right. I'm, I'm just well, um, I'm, gonna, I'm opening up doors like a good interviewer should. <laughs> I, I can I, I can sit back and remember when I was a child. I knew two people with cancer. One came back from Vietnam. He was exposed by Agent Orange. He passed away. And then another one was my mom's friend, and her and five other co-workers were exposed to a very toxic chemical and died of cancer within um, one year, all, all of them. And then I knew one child with autism, and that was my age, that went to school with me. That is it. And the only other time I saw autism is when Rain Man came out. And then if you think about it, right around 20 years ago, um, a lot of things had changed. They started upping. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's like the perfect storm. They started adding in more and more vaccinations, um, lots more preservatives going into the body, like formaldehyde and, you know, um, thimerosal. And then you had glyphosate, and we were lied to many years. We were being fed GMOs, and we were not being told. And glyphosate turns into glyoxylate in the body, which then turns into sugar, which turns into candida, and totally um, causes so many pathways to express and, I mean, can, um, can mess with superoxide dismutase, CYP, SLUT, you know, nitric oxide synthase, so many things. And then, um, you know, on top of that, then in that same time frame, they put folic acid into the food. And I want to spell it out for people, F-O-L-I-C, because it's different from folate. And now we know folic acid, for instance, we've learned um, from many brilliant people. Um, I, I, I read Carol Savage's group a lot. I have to give a shout-out to her because she's a brilliant doctor. Um, she's a brilliant doctor, and she's, she's a giving woman, and she makes it so people yeah, can... Yeah, she uh, dedicates a lot yeah. of time. Yes, she mm-hmm. does. And um, what we learned from her is that, you know, folic acid, acid will can, um, from research she's done and scientists that she's talked to, folic acid will prevent folate from crossing the blood-brain barrier, and that's your folate-rich foods like your eggs, leafy greens, berries, beans that are folate-rich. And you can consume folate, um, a slice of bread that has folic acid in it, and then you go eat your um, bowl of beans that are rich in folate. Um, it won't cross the blood-brain barrier, and now we're seeing cerebral folate deficiency. Most children with, with mm-hmm. full-blown autism, when they do spinal cord fluid deficiency, severely cerebral folate deficient. And, um, you know, that's not helping. That folic acid is in everything. It's um, toxic to me. I don't care what anybody says. They can come back and try Mm -hmm. to sue me. A folic acid is toxic. It's poison and it's killing people. It's amazing. If if, if everybody is old enough to remember Wonder Bread, okay, and uh, the reason Wonder Bread was called Wonder Bread was because they bleached uh, the wheat. Okay, in other words, it took out all the nutrients so that it would have a long shelf life. Okay, the molds wouldn't mm-hmm. grow on it. And let's 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 be frank: if a self-respecting mold won't eat the bread, why are we eating the bread? But then they then they put 12 vitamins back in to include folic acid, and it was made to build strong bodies 12 ways. I still remember the commercial. Okay, and what they were doing is throwing poisons at us. Yeah. 
So um, let's go. Let's go a little bit back to your to your app. You know, uh, everybody knows that you know I can read that or us clinicians can read all the different apps, but we tend to prefer yours. Okay, and I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to tell everybody why I'm just going to keep it a secret. But why is your why is your application one of the or the premier application out there to extract the genes and the polymorphisms from 23andMe? Well, um, I, I'm trying to listen to the doctors. Um, you know, every time they send me an email, I put it in a certain file. Yeah, I, I want to see this. I, I'd like to see this gene because of this. And I, I, I like to um, get a compilation of everything they like to see because I want this for practitioners to be able to help people. And I want to make it... Um, you know, user-friendly for practitioners. Sometimes um, the layperson um, kind of gets irritated because it, there's so much on it and stuff. And what they don't understand, we're giving this information to the practitioner now. So, you know, when a practitioner looks, physically goes into their live app, they can, you know, and let's say that they see that, for instance, they have serotonin issues. And we know now you can put serotonin in the search for in every SNP we know that has to do with serotonin, they can look into, and then they can see, then then they can see, you know, hey, all right, this has this function, and this person is missing, for instance, zinc, and they need zinc for this to function properly again, and maybe that'll help with this. And um, it, it's going to be able to help them a lot, but they just can't go look at the gene, the SNP again, and say, oh, they have it, let's treat them. They have to get a history from these people. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can give you an example. You know, I mean, you, you for one, um, you know neurotransmitters. And if you look at my family history, and I'm very public with it because I want to help people, Dr. Jess, and you look at my family history and I tell you that my mother was raised by an abusive alcoholic and my mother was an abusive alcoholic. And you see that I'm homozygous cough, and then I had um, that big dose of epinephrine that put me into panic attacks. You know, right off the bat, that's expressing on me. Yeah, you I, know, um, you can look I, at you can look at it. Yeah, you know it. And you know me in yeah, person. You can look you've at, seen me. Um, you've seen that it can't express. <laughs> <laughs> we call it escalation. <laughs> But your your point your point is well taken that you know a practitioner can look at the the constellation of COMT methyltransferase, which is which you're saying is comp uh, some people will say comp look at uh, MAO or MAO monoamine oxidase those two uh, those two enzymes break down excitatory neurotransmitters or the infamous catecholamines and no I won't make the cat noise that blew out everybody's speakers last time um, and if you you know start <laughs> <laughs> it did. <laughs> uh, maybe throw in the uh, glutamate carboxylase, the GAD genes. You know, and you start getting a picture of somebody who has trouble getting rid of their excitation. And we live in an excitotoxic society, so that's why there's so much anxiety and and uh, various types of upregulation, OCD, ODD. Uh, and all the way up to the schizophrenia, the schizoaffective disorders, and so forth. They're all excitatory, uh, or what I like to call excitotoxic, uh, reactions to our environment and, um, you know, to various um, various uh, micro- microbial influences and so forth. But a practitioner can look at this and, and kind of predict this is the thing 
this is why this person is not working. But what do we do about it is that's what takes history. That's what takes testing. That's what, you know, takes getting at the root cause and the downstream effects. That's why you can't just look at the genes and say, okay, this is what to do. So it's always been my opinion that you can't get a computer program that reads the 23andMe and take its word on what you should be uh, supplementing with, okay, because um, that's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, it is. You know what else I um, see interesting? Um, How, um, you know, we know now epigenetics, for instance, um, you, you know that saying in the Bible, the sins of the father can last up to four generations? Well, we know now um, with genetics, for instance, talking about the comp, um, they've taken um, rats and mice that are homozygous comp, bred them together, and they had homozygous um, offspring, of course, because both parents are homozygous. And mm-hmm. they um, then, you know, they they stress the, the babies. And how they stress them when when a mom goes and picks up a baby when it's crying and she holds it, okay, she calms it, okay. Well, a rat or a mouse, they'll they'll lick their babies. That's how they cuddle their babies. Well, every time they went to lick their babies, they'd move them away, and this alone caused comps to start pressing in in the offspring. Then from there, they saw I think it was three or four generations of homozygous offspring from that set all expressed without being coddled. So this gene, once it's turned in somebody, okay, once it's turned in somebody, it can last up to four generations in other people that that carry on that mutation. That is pretty interesting. That I didn't know. That that I did not know. Yes, indeed. When the Bible says the sins of the father can last up to four generations, we know that's truth with DNA. We know that to be fact. Mm -hmm. I just want to remind the audience that um, you can call in with questions. The number is 646-595-2277. That's 646-595-2277. If you're in the chat room and you have a question for Sterling, just go ahead and type it in uh, in the chat, and I'm sitting here looking at it, and I will ask a question for you and repeat the answer. I will try and type in the answer um, if I can, um, you know, get in that quickly. So um, as we go through our um, our interview here, please don't be afraid to um, give us a call and uh, or uh, ask a question because you can't have you couldn't have a better expert in this area and. I know there's a lot of questions out there, people. I look on the blogs all the time. I'm answering questions on the blogs all the time. There's lots of people who have a lot of misconceptions. You can get things straightened out. Sterling is right here. Call up. Tell your friends. Tell them to get on the blog talk radio because the quintessential expert in this area is sitting on the other end of this line. Okay? It doesn't get better than this. You want the straight poop? She's the one who's going to give it to you. Okay. Anyway. Um you know, I, I know that <laughs> I know that you guys did all kinds of research uh, to determine like uh, the risk alleles and so forth. Um, I've always, yeah, I've tried doing it myself. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, I guess I'm pretty good at it. But uh, you're obviously better. How do you um, how do you determine 
that a poly that what what determines a polymorphism? Um, well, you know, um, for the most part, the um, ancestral allele is the one you have. But there's a few snips like Tuox where the ancestral allele is actually the bad guy. Um, kind of um, putting it short for people to understand. So you've got to be very careful. Um, also, what we um, like to do when we're researching, for instance, we'll go on PubMed.gov or GoogleScholar.com. We'll go on scholarly sites and we'll put in the search bar, we'll put in, you know, the RSID number and risk allele. And sometimes we have to read through um, through a few hundred peer-reviewed research articles before we find the risk allele, sometimes we hit the first two or three and it's there. Um, it, it's really hard. Ishvan really, of course, Sparta is. He's dedicated to it. He he can sit He's he can amazing. Do it for hours. Yeah. Yeah, he is. But the, so. Yes, he is. And that's what it takes to... That's what it takes to figure out what determines a polymorphism, and then sticking it in the pathways is uh, also an amazing thing because you've gotten to the point in the new app where it's not just the general pathways; you're getting each step. So where that's where that's critical, where that's good for a clinician is I can see where the glitch is, if you will, and mm-hmm. and knowing what the knowing what makes that area work, what enzyme makes area, you know what. Uh, you know, what type of pathway, what cofactors and coenzymes and gives me ammunition to fix somebody who up until that time, you know, no one can fix them. Uh, that's what, yeah. that's how this is utilized. Um, let's see. You know, I know that people use, utilize your app uh, and they, um, they look at it and they go, ah, because it's, there's a lot of bit of repetition in there. Uh, because the genes, you know, in, are in different pathways, and I understand that you're doing things to make it even more user friendly uh, for lay people and for the physicians. Uh, when I say physicians, I mean healthcare providers of any type. Okay, uh, what kind of things are you doing? What kind of things are you doing to make this um, even more user friendly? Well, again. Um like I said, we put search bars. Um, also, we um, we um, are coming out with some snippets. You know about that, Dr. Jeff. Um, that we're, I know um, about it, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, I know they don't. They don't know about it. Why don't okay, you tell them? Okay, I'm just not talking to you. Okay. All right. So anyway, the the snippets. Um, I, I have. Um, I have a very brilliant friend of mine. I have to give her a shout out. Her name is Janet. She teaches um, pre-med over at Tulane. We've been friends since we were 10 years old. She has Oogles of Science degree. She's working on a neuroscience degree. She's also done um, TV. Um, you can sometimes see her in a few movies. Um, and she's got that voice. And she's done radio. She's got that voice. And she's also been a singer. And she's also a scientist. So, what better person? Laura writing out snippets. Um, me and Cynthia have been dedicated on writing them out, working hard. I, I kind of write the preliminary stuff, and then she goes over and fine tunes it. And then we have Janet um, do recordings, voiceovers of what I write down, and we're gonna um, put them on videos. And then my son 
wonderful kid. He is a graphic designer, and he's um, getting ready to go in editing mode. Um, I just had to buy him a new big computer to do this because I didn't realize to just do one of them, it would take, I think, I'm not a big computer person, but two to three days to upload one of them, where when I got him the bigger computer with the bigger RAM, it'll take 10 minutes versus two, three days. So um, these commercials that or videos that he's making and doing the graphic end on, and he should be starting that in the next two weeks. And hopefully we can get, for instance, um, we can get the um, phase one liver detox out within the next month, depending on the glitches we'll have with him. He might have to have my friend re-edit. But um, we wanted something out there where not only people can read, uh, but they can listen to as well. You know, I, I've got um, I've got a friend of mine that I grew up with. She's um, she's blind and she's going deaf, but um, she can still hear a little. She decides to do her 23andMe now. Um, and she has a SNP. She can be shown the SNP, and she wants to understand it. Now she can listen to it in the near future. I'm, I'm trying to get it to where everybody can can learn at their own degree and pace. Now, you cannot replace this without going to a practitioner, so we're not going to tell you how to treat or whatever. We're going to tell you how things function because I think that it's highly dangerous when people say, hey, you might need a little B12 here, and you go take B12 and your homocysteine's at a one and you lower it down to a zero and have a stroke. You know, um, you have to go to a practitioner because there's other things in there going on. Um, This is very, very complex. You know that because you do it. You can't just look at that SNP again. That's why we're just going to kind of sit with the basics, but we're going to have people like you, Dr. Jess, um, talk about the clinical in and how things work together, which I think you're already working on some things, if you want to talk about mm-hmm. that. There's, um, uh, in line, in line with your, um, what you just said, there's a question on the chat, and it says, I'm homozygous C1T and MAOA. Are there any supplements that I can take to assist with that? Um, well, I know you, um, being a practitioner, um, if you knew somebody with homozygous, COMT and MAOA, uh, I bet you you would want to um, look at their neurotransmitters and a few other things, right, before mm-hmm. suggesting anything. Am I correct? Oh, you're correct. The, 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 the proper answer to the question, based on what, you're, what you said before, was the fact that your homozygous COMT and MAOA does not necessarily mean it's expressing. And if it is, what's making it express and... It's not an easy answer. There, you don't take something for COMT and MAOA. Uh, it's a hard concept to understand because everybody's pushing in that direction. Okay, they're saying you have this, yeah. take that. You have this, take that, and that has been yeah. shown time and time and time again to be the wrong way to treat someone. Okay, well, that's uh, treating. A lot of me too with the people, um, these genetic companies coming out and saying, "Hey, you've got these SNPs here. Buy our vitamin." Yeah, and I'm beginning to see more and more and more of that. Uh, I was approached by a a, a company locally here uh, who has an entire line of vitamins, and they're named after the SNPs. And I'm like, you can't do that. You know, you just can't. <laughs> and, yeah. of course, they teach a course that's associated with it, and uh, that's when I started, you know, you know me, I go off half-cocked, and I start writing on the boards and getting really upset because I know that that kind of, that kind of 
or that manner of treatment is is not only incorrect, it's frankly dangerous. Um, so yeah, you know, and now I guarantee will, if you drink a gallon of coffee a day and you're homozygous comp, there will be some expression. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> <It's a promise. laughs> okay. Yeah. No question about it. You can push, you can push that button anywhere, you know. Um, yeah. Now, there, there. Compared to your version one, there are there are several new genes. Uh, not that I'd like you to go through all of them, but did you find? Uh, did you add in anything that was of particular um, note or particular interest that you'd like to let everybody know about? Yeah. Uh, well, I could talk about a few of the new ones that. Um, we have um, out there. Um, I couldn't talk about all of them because we'd be here for ten hours. You know that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let me um, pull out a few of my snippets I've, I've written. You know, a real big one under phase one liver detox that we have, UGT one A one. Okay, this one um, really. Um, is um pretty um pretty big it um it um it, it catalyzes the the coronation of um 17 beta estradiol 17 alpha ethanol estradiol and 1 hydroxypyrene and 4 methyl lumbar lysine okay 1 naphthol and paranitrosinol and Gobolatin and umbelophone. Okay, but do you hear that those nasty estrogens, those toxic estrogens mm-hmm. in there? Okay, so that's a huge one. So, I mean, if you, you know, you have somebody that walks in your office and they have a family history of breast, ovarian, uterine, testicular, prostate cancer, and you see their homozygous for UGT 101 and they're drinking coffee, eating soy, um, you know, Eating meat injected with bovine growth hormone, milk, cheeses with bovine growth hormone, drinking out of BPAs. Hey, there could be a problem. You might want to check the estrogen, you know. Um, so that's a big one, um, UGT1A1. Um, that's, that's, again, where um, these practitioners can play detective. You know, they get a history. They see what they're eating. Um, they see that they're possibly hormonal. They see this here, they might want to check their um, estrogen and get them under control with that particular SNP. Now, it gives them a hint, okay? Anyway, and it gives them a pretty um, damn big hint. That's good. Yes, real, real That's the idea of adding in significant polymorphisms is because it gives the healthcare providers bigger hints as to where to look. Yeah. Now the UGT two A one that's also there again. Um, it's um, it, it plays a major role in the conjugation and elimination of potentially toxic xenobiotics and endogenous compounds. Okay. So that one again, huge. That's a big red flag. You know, you get somebody who um, comes to you, and I know you guys get it, you and Sean get it quite a bit. Oh, I had breast cancer eight years ago, and you see this sniff here. You know, um, you can um, you you better don't believe you you want to keep an eye on this for them. You know, 
Let's see. What other one can I talk about here? Um, let's see. Um, all right. Here's one. Um, here's here's a new gene we have here. Um, ADA gene. Adenosine deaminase. Okay. That one, um, it um, catalyzes the hydrolytic demination of adenosine and 2-deoxadenosine, okay? It plays a role in purine metabolism and in adenosine homeostasis, okay? It modulates signaling by extracellular adenosine, and it contributes to cellular signaling events. And it also acts as a positive regulator of T-cell collectivation by bonding DPB4. Um, so that is really important. The cofactor for that one is zinc. So let's say you have somebody very ill, and let's say you've done um, you've done a mineral vitamin panel, and you see that they're low on zinc, and they have the SNP, and they're low on T cells. You might want to get that zinc back in them because ADA mm-hmm. could be expressed. Okay, so you can't just look at somebody and say, "Hey, you have ADA. Um, let's go ahead and give you a whole bunch of zinc." You know, again, like I like to repeat what Stephen Gundry said on that show, which was brilliant, the genetics are the hand you've been dealt, and how you play the hand will result in an outcome, good or bad. You know, so, again, if somebody's zinc deficient, and this is here, they could be having problems here, okay? Um, Let's see. How about you want me to go on? I've got plenty more. (laughs) Well, here's another question. I'm hetero MTHFR and COMT, and I have crazy hormones and explosive anger. That is the statement. There is an estrogen dominance there? Mm-hmm. Estrogen dominance. Okay. Well, there's also COMT. I mean, how is there CYT 1A1, 1A2, 1B1, 3A4? There's CYTs, too, to be phased. You've also got to look at phase one liver detox, and then you look at phase two, which is the comp. Which is what, and which then is you what, also um, got, And she yeah, has low yeah. estrogen and low progesterone. Oh, low estrogen. Oh, low estrogen and low progesterone. Okay. Um, Stefano transferase. How's her energy? She didn't say. Well, if she's listening to you, so I'm sure she's going to answer the question. So um, yeah. I, I obviously won't mention her name, but... Uh, I if, if she has um, can answer. There is um, lack of lack of energy. Lack Our of energy, energy and stuff. Low. Yeah, because that's when you would want to look at sulfonotransferase and hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I believe in that. And um, you know, again, um, Susan Owens is amazing, an amazing lady. We learn a lot from her too. Um, mm-hmm. Oxalate. Um, are a very bad thing. Oxalates mm-hmm. share the same transporters as sulfate, and when oxalates um, when oxalates override, sulfation will not work. Um, and not only will you have hormonal disturbances, but also 
um, when you're running low on B6 and the body makes endogenous oxalate, and these oxalates take over that pathway sulfonotransferase sulfation, okay, you can stop making that bile acids in the gallbladder and then also stop making the hormone needed for the adrenal glands to function. And um, I would, um, that would be one of the first places I would look to besides, you know, what do you look at first? Um, The adrenals and hormone function together probably, um, and then also thyroid, all of them together. My first first um, one was adrenal. That would be a big place I'd look which which goes to as as my my standard joke always is when you're talking to a real estate agent it's location 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 when you're talking about this stuff mm-hmm. it's history 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 cuz history is going to yeah. correlate what you see here cuz what what can cause lack of energy and crazy explosive anger it can be adrenal it can be thyroid it can be you know, problems in the liver, it could be mitochondrial, it could be all three, it could be all missing them, you know. You oh, just I've have seen, to look at I've everything. I've seen people with, people with elevated ferritin, too, have um, explosive anger. Mm-hmm. People uh-huh. with hemochromatosis and elevated um, ferritin, oh, they can get pretty cranky, too. Yeah. yeah it's, so. a, it's The answers are not... The nice thing about the genes is that it gives you another large database in which you can sit down and say, okay, where are the probabilities here? And a lot of times they'll tell you probabilities in areas you weren't thinking about. And the more you learn about it, the more you say to yourself, hmm, everything's pointing in one direction. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings is if all the dogs are barking up a tree, don't yell at the dogs, look up the tree, you know? And uh, my my allopathic friends have this tendency of saying, well, I can't figure it out. We've done what I can do, but I can't figure it out, so it must be you. Don't ask me how that leap gets made, but <laughs> you know, it's wrong. There are other places, there are other avenues to look down. To look down, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys, if you want to ask Sterling a question, you want to call in 646-595-2277. That's 646-595-2277. Or if you're on the chat, you can just type in a question. Yeah, well, I could talk about more of the SNPs if you want me to. Okay. um, So this uh, same person is saying, I was taking methylfolate and B12 and B-complex and didn't feel different as well as bioidentical hormones. I feel like something is missing. missing." Right. You're absolutely correct that um, that a stone has been left unturned or actually several stones. That's the reason why this is tough to do big on your own. Big red flag looking to oxalates. Big red mm-hmm. flag. Absolutely. Big red flag. What I learned from, what I learned from Susan Costin Owens, um, she is a brilliant lady, and she's been doing this for many, many years, many years. Um, she's spoken at band conferences. Um, there's um, a little bit of research out on googlescholar.com. You can find the lady knows what she's doing. And, again, um, Oxalates, um, what I've learned from her, will shut down methionine synthase. And then also what oxalates will do is um, make it where folate cycle supplements will not even work. They can be rendered useless until you get the oxalate issue resolved. And you really need to be careful. um, Do not go 
have somebody tell you, oh, here, take all the high ox weights out your diet and go to low ox weights. You can put your body into shock and end up in a hospital. One of the best groups you can mm. join is on Facebook or Yahoo, trying low ox weights, ran by Susan. Okay, very, very important. Um, I know Cynthia, um, what she talks about doing is when she sees someone with the oxalate issues, is she takes um, one high oxalate and trades it out for a moderate with them every two weeks. She moves them slowly on top of also looking at what supplementation that they need to bring in to get this issue resolved. Because with a lot of people, it's not just food. It is a lot genetic as well. For instance, when somebody has pyroluria under stress, they can dump these six and zinc, and then that makes them make endogenous oxalate when they're dumping the B6, you know. But oxalate is a huge thing. If you're taking folate cycle supplements and you either go haywire or they do nothing for you, one of the big red flags is Houston, there is a oxalate issue. Okay? So in the proper treatment of oxalates is to do it slowly. Okay. Very slowly. And, um, and with the practitioner. I'm putting in um, different websites on the um, on the chat here for you to look at. Okay, it's not okay. something you want to. Uh, um, I put uh, Susan Owens' uh, uh, website in and uh, a couple of others. Uh, it's it's one of the most important issues that's come up recently because it 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 is the major reason why people get to a point where they stop healing, no matter what you do. And uh, we can't. We're finding that we can't fix gut, can't fix guts the way we used to, because a lot of the things we used were high in oxalates, and that when we were a little too aggressive in the opposite way, um, you know, people were crashing. So it's it's one of these things that can, is caused by inflammation. It's caused by big time by parasites, by candida. Lyme is a big uh, a big contributor. Uh, and uh, it also becomes a reason why the body doesn't want to heal, and uh, it's got to be attended to. It's got to be. It's got to be dealt with. Otherwise, the body will continue to deteriorate. Yeah. Can I mention um, several of the genes that um, get affected by oxalates? Okay. Again, um, let's say, Doctor Just, you do neurotransmitters and you see high glutamate, low GABA. You know the cofactor for that is B6, pyridoxal phosphate. Mm-hmm. So. You see high glutamate, low GABA. That's a huge red flag. There could be an excellent issue. 90% of the time there's mm-hmm. going to be when you see high glutamate, low GABA, maybe even 99% of the time. Um, now, um, so GAD is a huge one, all right? And so that tells you that many alcoholics have oxalate issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we know alcohol temporarily makes GABA, and that's why some alcoholics are alcoholics. Um, right. And they're probably running low on B6 activity. Another um, another um, gene that is really big on the radar, huge on the radar for um, oxalate issues, is um, let's say somebody comes to you and tells you they're sensitive with sulfate and sulfite. Oh, and I have CBS. Cystothionine beta synthase. The cofactor is pyridoxal 5-phosphate. We are finding that more people have the opposite issue of what we've been taught of in the past. Basically, most of the people, what we've been taught of in the past are what the children with um, with Down syndrome. Now, most people that have CBS um, working, um, uh, there's a B6 issue. 
And once you get that B6, there's a few other things that go on. B6 issue resolved. Um, Cystathionine beta synthase could be work, could be working fine after that is resolved. That's a huge one. CVS. Um, uh, let's see. SLUT1A1, 2A1. That's Sulfano transferase 1A1, 2A1. You see somebody poor gallbladder function, adrenal fatigue. They're not producing adrenal hormones. That's another red flag that you should look into oxalate. Because when the body runs low on B6, it stops making ATP. It shuts down sulfation because oxalates are taking it over. Um, let's see, nitric oxide synthase. It can do a lot of damage with nitric oxide synthase. So sometimes you'll see low arginine on these people in amino acid tests. Lysine is another big one, but we have a few new genes out there to do with lysine. Um, I can't remember them offhand, but again, you can be fine on B6, but the lysine is needed for the body for the B6 to hook to receptors and work properly function. We actually had, a, um, I'm not going to mention names, a particular medical professional came to me, and this medical professional spouse was high, high in B6, but was totally depleted of lysine. Started taking the lysine, the B6 got to normal, and then that person's oxalates were on the lab they did should have only been uh, below 100. They were at 380. The oxalates started going down, and then the glutathione is just slowly, slowly, slowly edging up now on its own. That's how important it is to address this issue. There's several other SNPs that it can affect too. So. You know, you see somebody with oxalate issues and you look and you see CBS, you see GAD, and you see all those things. Oh, they're going to have a mess of problems throughout their variant report. This is why you mm-hmm. need a professional to look at these reports. You cannot treat a SNP. It is dangerous and it can kill and it probably has killed. You cannot treat it. You have to bring these variant reports to people that know what they're doing. And we are all still in, are in learning phases here because this is new. This is brand new. Yeah. We're learning every day. And I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say I'm sitting here taking notes from what you're talking about. Okay, you're putting yeah. stuff together that I didn't realize, and you know, all my patients realize that I'm constantly learning, and what I bring that to their next consult. I, I'm not ashamed to say, hey, look, guys, I learned this, and they were talking about it, but I just learned the significance of it, and this is what we should do. And guess what? You know, uh, everybody's appreciative that the fact that we keep on learning. Okay, and that's the real difference between um, what we do and what uh, others do is that we can constantly learn and constantly um, um, <clears throat> we constantly. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading something at the same time. By the way, people who are asking questions, uh, we're absolutely happy to help, but we cannot make specific treatment recommendations over the radio. Uh, please understand that without us actually having you as a client or patient. Uh, we can answer generalized questions, okay, but um, if we don't answer uh, or I don't repeat a certain question, it's because uh, we're not, it's inappropriate to say, yes, start something or stop something. Uh, this is a, another question. My son, nine years old, is MTHFR hetero. Uh, I guess it's compound hetero uh, as well as CMT, super agitated, hyper, and ADHD. Like a, a, um, I've tried supplements, nutrition. We do see an integrative doctor. But I feel like every road has been met, has been a dead end. Could it be oxalates as well? Oh, um, my opinion, 
definitely have to look mm-hmm. at that because again, um, nothing can help if oxalates are an issue. Okay, glutathione is a sulfur-based molecule. Without glutathione, what happens? We start to de- deteriorate, and we get disease, and we eventually die. That's part of the life cycle. So we know that pe- uh, people that die of chronic illness usually always have high oxalates now. Okay, um, but um, when you look at that, every cell in the body needs sulfation, and when you have oxalates overriding um, these these um, methylation supplements that make glutathione can cause more issues because that pathway is blocked. It's being hogged up by oxalates. That's one of the first things, I think, you know, besides leaky gut and a few other things that people should look into is oxalates, oxalates, oxalates. I will go probably till the day I die in my grave screaming down the street. Please, any practitioner out there that is studying this, check oxalates. Because you can harm somebody by giving them these supplements without first checking that. Rule them out. Well, that is um, <laughs> that is for true. Um, and then then uh, somebody was saying uh, the same individual saying she was taking sulfax, which I'm not exactly sure what that is, uh, to decrease sulfate. That was probably hurting me. Question mark. Um, again, you know, it's hard to answer the questions um, because we are talking in a vacuum, okay, without knowing your uh, particular history. So um, we can't say whether that was hurting you or not. Uh, I will say that if you're seeing an integrative doctor, I feel like every road has been a dead end. Uh, No offense, it's time to change doctors, okay, because um, no one can know everything. Okay, people, there's two types of ignorance. Ignorance I don't know and ignorance I don't care. I, ignorance I don't know is perfectly reputable because who can know everything? Ignorance I don't care is unacceptable. Most doctors hit their walls. I have my walls. I mean, I have certain areas that I don't know too well, you know, or well enough, and I refer them out. I just don't have an ego when it concerns that. Uh, but if you feel like you've hit um, dead ends, okay, and... I can tell you that as long as you're breathing, there's still a uh, hope that you can figure out what's wrong and fix it. It probably needs a fresh look, okay, by a different practitioner who's not um, of the same, uh, like in the same uh, specialty, if you will. I, I think we have lots of specialist people. What we need are generalists, which is what we hope to teach and continue to teach at MABIM and everywhere else, is we're teaching doctors how to think again. Okay, and how to uh, be generalists, think of everything, not just within their own specialties. Well, Dr. Jess, you alone, right, you have, um, you have a couple, you have um, practitioners with you that you guys could all kind of correlate on um, people and use um, all your strength together, right? Well, thank you. Together. Yes, that's true. Whenever you see somebody like Sean or Cynthia or myself, you kind of get all of us because when we hit walls, we talk to each other. And, um, you know, we're not, uh, we don't have egos. I mean, let's face it, you know, Sean knows a whole lot more about hormones than I do, okay, and I know a whole lot more about uh, neurophysiology than he does. And believe me, he has no problem walking into my office and saying, Doc, what do you think about this? And I have no problem walking up to him and saying, hey, Sean, what do you think about this? Okay, because that's what I learned, 
okay? And that's also how we help our patients because, you know, uh, we leave the egos at the door, okay? We have a set of people that we can go to. We have uh, lots of connections, and we're not afraid to use them to our patients' best benefit. There is a person who called in. Oh, my God, they just disappeared. Oh, well. Um, and so, yeah, we have uh, and we have lots of doctors right now who are mentoring with us, who are uh, physically coming into the office and learning from us and, you know, doing case, case reviews so that we can teach them how to uh, think about uh, how to utilize all the parameters of methylation and bioindividualized medicine, which is, you know, all the epigenetics, uh, neuroendoimmunology, um, mitochondrial dysfunction, cell wall stability. Uh, we bring that all into play with each case. Uh, so, you know, you need to go to someone who's got a lot of tools in their toolbox and has no ego, so they will go to uh, have no problem working with um, working with um, other doctors. There's another question here. Um, how do you test for oxalates? What will be the symptoms of high oxalates? Well, the symptoms are practically everything, okay? If you don't want to heal, well, if you've been trying to, you know, that's everything. But how do you test for oxalates? Okay, well, Great, sure. Great Plains Laboratory has an organic acid test that um, they have the mm-hmm. oxalates on there. Then also... You can kind of, for instance, when somebody does a NutriVal, you can play detective. You look in there and see somebody's low lysine, low arginine, low B6, low butyrate, um, elevated ammonia, um, also um, um, low, hold on, the the creatinine and then also the 3-methylhistidine. Um, Their ranges will be very off, but um, what, what I learned from Susan Owens is that, you know, Labs don't flag it, and um, for instance, the creatinine might, might not be in the red low, but it might be on the lower end. The 3-methylhistidine might not be in the red high, but be on the higher end. That's also a huge red flag right there. Mm-hmm. B6, low B6, huge, and then also low lysine, huge, and then the creatinine, 3-methylhistidine, and then also um, the arginine as well because it affects nitric oxide synthase. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, these are all um, big red flags that there is a, there are an oxalate issue. And again, you know, I'm, you do neurotransmitters, Dr. Jeff, and you know that's the pyridoxal phosphate dependent pathway. That mm-hmm. um, pyridoxal phosphate is a form of B6 for everyone out there that doesn't know what it is. Um, and you see high glutamate, low GABA. Hey, that that could be an indication you might want to check. Go ahead and go get that Great Plains test and check oxalates. I know LabCorp does have um, a random urine oxalic acid create creatinine um, as well. Yeah, yeah, they do. So does Another thing we know that CVS is one of the things that detoxes um, chelates arsenic out the body. So. What if somebody has high, you see high levels of arsenic in them, and we know that that is a um, P5P-dependent pathway, a B6-dependent pathway. Ah, high arsenic, you might want to look into oxalates. Calcium oxalate mm-hmm. stone, you might want to look into it. Fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, because when the body starts running low on B6, um, you can't make ATP. And then with the fibromyalgia, 
these um, calcium oxalate crystals, they not only set up shock in the kidney, but they can set up shock in the tissues of the body, and they can cause sore, sore pains all over the body as well. Um, um, with me, um, Josh, you remember, I was getting the stones through my salivary gland, little calcium oxalate crystals mm-hmm. coming out my salivary gland when I was juicing. I was juicing spinach leaf, celery, and carrot, all high oxalate. And you remember I was taking... Um, one step forward, two steps back. We couldn't figure out why. And then, boom, right, right. Oxalate. Right, right. The minute I um, started um, looking into the lysine and B6, which is, is an issue with me, and then also not juicing the high oxalate foods anymore, which I thought were helping me, um, actually, my histamine totally disappeared as well. My histamine issues, I stopped breaking out in hives. I was a person that could take six, six to eight Benadryl a day a day for weeks at a time. That's how bad the histamine was. And when we got the oxalates lowered very cautiously, very slowly, got the B6 and the lysine issues resolved, guess what? I'm lucky if I take two Benadryl every three months now. So um, amazing. Another place you can look at, um, if you do see oxalate issues, low histamine chef. Yasmina, she's the one that has low histamine chef. And through her research and following people like Susan Owens, um, she found that people that um, have oxalate issues with histamine issues, sometimes when they lower the oxalates, their histamine issues disappear. So this is a huge, huge factor. So that tells you that anybody with mast cell activation, you better believe they need to look into oxalates. And, oh, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, you're, you're, Vicky just made a point with this individual because she's saying, yes, with lots of exclamation points, random pain in my body, multiple benign t- tumor in my breasts, and so forth. You know, the oxalates, we always yeah. think of calcium oxalate stones, but uh, we forget that the oxalates can form crystals inside the muscles, inside the tissues, cause all kinds of pain, you know, can be and is part of the downstream effect of chronic inflammation. Okay, so... Um, like I think a major nail has been hit on the head when the oxalate issue came up and, and you're following up on it and everybody researching it and how to properly treat it and, um, you know, bringing it to the forefront um, is another reason why people are going to heal when they didn't heal before because most people don't know anything about the oxalates and most medical physicians uh, are, and, and it's the way they're trained, it's no problem. You know, think about oxalates only in the uh, t- only in the frame of um, kidney stones. Okay, but it's a much yeah. wider and broader uh, mm-hmm. issue. Yeah, anybody with chronic fatigue syndrome, oxalates must be looked into. Huge mm-hmm. red flag, a big slap in the face. Chronic fatigue syndrome, oxalate issues, because the body cannot make ATP when the body is right. running low on B6. And it's not, and you can throw as much B6 as you want in there. If you have a bunch of oxalates, that's what it binds. It binds B6. It binds magnesium. It binds zinc. It binds uh, potassium. It binds a bunch of things. So that's why you use certain things to help bind the oxalates so you can release um, Uh the minerals that are necessary. And that when you take B6, it's actually, um, you know, it actually starts getting absorbed because... You know, that's, that becomes the reason. You know, I, I've always known that inflammation, once it gets to a point, kind of feeds on itself. 
I always thought of it like a like a you know like it gets hot enough it just feeds on itself. But I never knew really why inflammation fed on itself. Okay, um, because it didn't have really a substrate. It's like okay, I take care of everything else. How come it's still going? And this has been the answer. Oh, there's somebody on the phone. Let's see what they have. Hi, nice person in the 408 area code. Are you there? Hello? Okay. Dr. Jeff, can I say something else about oxalate? Absolutely. You know they're being sprayed on our... Do you know they're being sprayed as a weed killer right now, right? This I did not know. Is is it actual oxalates that are being sprayed, or is it the um, sprayed as you a said that the, gly- you know the, gly- the glyphosate's become uh, glyoxalates? No, it's not pure oxalate. Pure oxalate is um, being sprayed as a weed killer. Do you know why? It destroys the it Krebs the cycle. So it it yeah. destroys the Krebs cycle. So when and your body is making endogenous oxalate uh, because you're running low on B6, you will shut down your Krebs cycle. Oh my. Do you see how serious they are? No, I, no, I did not know about the curve cycle picture of it. That's amazing. Yeah. That is that, and that makes a lot of sense. Okay, because uh, yeah, for everybody out there, you know, like we found, we found through many people, like even Ben Lynch, he saw that the Krebs cycle needs to be supported before you can even touch methylation. That's why he made D minus. That that I that I knew that that I that I understood. But um, for everybody out there, uh, uh, the way that you create your energy, everybody knows that sugar or, or glucose creates energy. Your actual energy is ATP, adenosine triphosphate. So one mole of glucose gives you 38 ATPs. So you have to go through glycolysis first. And the result of that is lactic and pyruvic acid, which gets pumped into the Krebs cycle, which is this honking amount of biochemical processes that end up in creating something called NADH and FADH2, which are the don- the electron donors that go into the mitochondrial electron transport chain, you give you your other 36 ATPs. Anything that screws with that, excuse me, anything that messes with that pathway is going to prevent you from producing uh, enough ATP to heal and uh, enough t- ATP for your energy. Good reason for chronic fatigue, good reason for why people chronically get ill, and I'm now learning that oxalates, and I didn't know where the oxalates were blocking the pathway, but now I know, and why. Yeah, and also what um, people people don't realize again, what what happens if the Krebs cycle's not important, um, not not supported, and the Krebs cycle's not functioning, methionine synthase will not work, the folate cycle will not work. Some people have just resolved the oxalate issues, and guess what? If they're eating a good diet. Um, and mm-hmm. they saw they were severely folate deficient. They're um, after resolving the oxalate issues, don't even need folate support anymore because um, MTHFR is one of the last steps, okay, right. in treating methylation. That's why we always talk. You know, a lot of people get upset with me because they're, you have MTHFR support. Why do you talk about all these other things first? There is a reason being there is a certain order. Because you've okay. learned. Because we that you're yeah, learning continues. Yeah, and this this and, this is the point. Because this MTHFR support does not mean that you're stuck with MTHFR and guess what? That was where things began. Okay, that was the beginning of wisdom, not its end. 
Okay, it's been constant, and I've you know I know you now for a few years, and I've seen the the sheer amount of research and time that goes into having this burgeon, and you know there. Are I guess uh, the, there are other people who are doing kind of the same thing, but they're kind of taking it all from you. You know, they take you as a um, as a referent, and um, but you're the one doing the majority of the research, if not all of it. And uh, we have you to thank for being able to, you know, bring these issues to light. Because let's face it, without you, we'd still be back on. Um, we'd still be back thinking that MTHFR causes all that the stuff on the list that they say that it causes, which it doesn't. Well, you know, I've learned from many brilliant people. Like today, I've mentioned people, and you know, I'll mention many people that I've learned from. I've learned from you, neurotransmitters. I've learned from Sean, adrenals and hormones. I've learned from Cynthia, the immune system. I've learned from Yasko, many of the sniffs. I've learned from Ben Lynch, many of the things and how they work. I've learned from Carol Savage. I've learned from Susan Owens. I can keep on going down the list. Dr. Greenfield, she taught me a lot more about FUT2 and blood type. Big thing, okay, FUT2. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned from so many people. I had another doctor teach me about um, superoxide dismutase 2 and why artificial manganese can actually um, deplete dopamine and why you should try to go in with na- in with superoxide dismutase 2 and treat it naturally with things like wheatgrass juice and... Um, and um, chicken liver and chaga mushroom. So, you know, it, it's I, I learn from all these practitioners and doctors, and I absorb this information, I write it down, and I share it with all of you guys. Um, it's, um, it's really important to know that. And then on research on our own, um, we've learned many things. We've pulled out many snips. I mean, Ishvan is um, brilliant. He gets, he gets um, upset, obsessed with things and and he'll read and read and read and read and read and just pull things out totally brilliant researcher so you know with all these people you know all of you guys are the only reason that i exist and i can be the voice for all of you okay because all of us do have to come together because you all have your little areas of expertise and then all together a compilation that's what's going to heal the world is when everybody starts working together and not against one another. And that's what we're trying to do here with methylation yeah. of bioindividualized medicine and MTHF. We're support. trying to put it together we're to and we're trying to get together. people to understand it. Right. And that's, that's and the whole idea. Practitioners. I've had many practitioners cross my path and, um, you know, agreed. For instance, I have one very, very, I'm not going to say the practitioner's name, very well-known nutritionist that's a board member of a very, very big institute who contacted me one day and told me, I want to use your app. And I said, that's fine. And he wanted me to do all the work, and he would give me 15% profit, and he would take 85%. Okay? Um, That's greed. And then he wanted to do everything on his own. Greed, greed, greed. You're not taking the hard work that practitioners came to me and shared their information with me and then me and my husband and Cynthia doing these diagrams and headways that we we work sometimes for hours and days and months and months on certain pathways. We've got an autoimmune pathway coming up that's taken us almost a year to start getting together where we're going to have it out in a few months and it's going to be huge. So, you know, it's, um, I'm not, 
you know, I want everybody to have a togetherness here. No egos. We all need to get together to be able to heal the world because we all can't know it right. all. The human body is a very complex ecosystem, and what works for you is not going to work for me. Okay? That's it. I like what you always say. One man's food is another man's poison, and it is the truth. Okay? And, um, you know, it's very important that we all work together. We've got to stop working against one another. We've got to all work together and bring all this information together. And I'm the voice for all of you. I am the voice for all of you. And you are. From all and of you are. And you are. And I appreciate it. We all appreciate it because if people would look at uh, just the applications, just the apps that are out there, and realize mm-hmm. that uh, the app that you have is now has been reset and expanded to make the understanding of the biochemical pathways more robust. And in doing that, you're giving the healthcare providers an opportunity to heal people that up until this time haven't been able to be healed because they didn't know what steps to take or what direction to go in. And that is not, that's only a portion of what you're doing. Uh, and it's, they, people don't realize what's going on in the background, you know, that we could very easily do what some others are doing and just, you know, concentrate on a, a few letters and start really just pushing um, a lot of product. And you can always tell when you're um, when you're not being treated correctly when you walk into a practitioner's office and you walk out with a shopping bag worth of uh, of uh, um, you know vitamins because uh, it's usually not necessary. Uh, and this is what it really takes. It takes thinking. It takes research. It takes collaboration, it takes cooperation, and it takes a true caring about what goes on with people. And, and Sterling, you've been leading the way. Okay, you've been leading the way big time. Okay. There's somebody uh, here who hopes oh. Sure, go ahead. Okay. I wanted to talk about a few other things, too. Two, um, two major things that we found by doing this variant report. Because, uh, you know, I can't go in and look at you guys' variant reports. I want to tell you right now, we have them locked down that good. I have a master programmer who, um, Dr. Jeff will tell you, he is brilliant. And um, he's the one that introduced me to him. He's a wonderful programmer. And he's got everything. We've got a private web server. We've got everything locked down where I can't even look into your stuff. They've had thousands upon thousands of people share their variant reports with me. And one big, huge trend that we saw is that um, when people had had um, around nine homozygous mutations of MTHFR, um, several of them um, um, had dystonia and Parkinson's. So um, there was um, some severe VH4 deficiency going on. So we know, for instance, MTHFR 81298C can um, can um, affect tetrahydrobiopterin in, in that mm-hmm. area. So that tells me that some of the other MTHFR gene mutations um, probably work like A1298C, but they are not highly, highly researched enough yet. Also, um, so let's say, you know, somebody has high oxalates and they shut down that folate pathway and they have that many homozygous mutations. You know, they have to deal with the oxalates before they can even touch that because we've actually seen one of these people no, actually two with dystonia, one in a wheelchair with dystonia and has to get IV dopamine. Actually, when they were given folate, one of them had nearly put in a coma because nobody looked at the oxalates first, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, we have um, 
you know, we've had a lot of the Floxies follow us because they want to figure out what's, what's going on. And I am a fellow Floxie survivor. I um, think that that contributed to my clotting cascade is um, the fluoroquinolones. I won't name the names of the exact ones because I don't want to get sued. Um, but anyway, um, what we saw um, by doing these reports, I just so happened to come across a big website where um, fluoroquinolones um, were um, co contradicted for G6PD, so I pulled out multiple G6PD SNPs, and we saw um, about, I'd say, 25% of the population has a, a milder form of um that they would have to really push it hard for it to cause um, G6PD deficiency, but only 25% of the population had this particular G6PD SNP we have on the variant report. And if you go down to G6PD, it'll be RS1050. Seven, five seven. I believe that's the one. And um, anyway, nine out of ten people that have been injured by fluoroquinolone have that particular SNP. So that tells you right there, big, huge red flags. So um, mm -hmm. you know, we found some amazing things if we could bring this together. I've had family members um, that had met distant cousins, second to fifth cousins that have come to MTHF for support, and they, they notified me because they had my name out there public on 23andMe that were cousins, were second to fifth cousins, and there's been a total of 13 of them. Every one of us are Floxies, and every one of us have EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, where if um, people are familiar with me know that I've had a dissected carotid and a brain aneurysm, so I have a vascular form of EDS. And... Um, Every one of them, we were when I pulled out all the collagen production genes, which I did not put out, but sharing my my um, my information with people, another um, variant report took took my information, put it out there before I had it verified with doctors and stuff that these genes were relevant. But on that on those genes, with these people that were my cousins, we found what chromosome we were sharing with, all of us shared, what section, and what laid on that section was the COLA gene, which is big on collagen. And then when I went and did things like lysine, proline, and vitamin C, I told them to go ahead and look at these things. And sure enough, every single one of us were lysine deficient. And lysine has a big deal to do with collagen production. And then if you're lysine deficient, that's what happens. Your B6 will not hook the receptors, and then you'll make endogenous oxalate. They have oxalate issues. So you have a huge cascade. But through this variant report, we have found things like that. So this is saving lives. It is saving lives. It and it takes – this is – this, and it's not done yet. This is a living document, isn't it? Okay, this is going to change and morph. Okay, you're going to be adding – training uh for healthcare providers so they can understand you know it, it was pretty amazing that the the uh the uh cascade you just showed everybody you just mentioned um and I was busy scribbling as as you were talking uh so I could you know get it all down straight but you know this is this mm -hmm. is where healthcare providers have to sit there and look and say gee you know these things give me this indication let me see if they are and this is a good reason why this is happening Okay, and I didn't think about it before because it is unusual, okay, but it's happening within this family group. You know, you know, people out there, you have to realize that not only 
does this have indicators in treating present disease and or present illnesses? But think about 10 years from now where we start requiring that all babies, you know, get the 23andMe done and, and, and run their uh, genetics. Think about how many things you could prevent. Okay, think about looking at a mother's and father's 23andMe, uh, looking at the homozygous areas and just the generalities of um, the pathways that might have difficulty with a baby that you know are going to have a certain set of genes. You can make some predictions. You could, If you knew a kid was going to get autism uh, under certain circumstances, you would prevent those circumstances from occurring. If you knew a person was going to get diabetes, okay, because they had genetic predisposition that, and family history and a few other things that said, hmm, this is a high probability. Maybe I'll start training this child to eat differently from day one, okay? Uh, so, you know, this is not just treating now. Think of the future generations, okay? I'll give you one example. Autism right now is, I think, 1 in 55 children, and it's supposed to be going up in by 2025 to 1 in 25. You could reverse that trend with the predictive value of the genetics. You can actually reverse the trend because if you marry it up, the way Sterling just did with the physiology and the probabilities, you would turn around and say, hey, I'm not going to let XX and X happen. Let's say whether it's immunizations, whatever. Uh, let's say it is immunizations, just for argument's sake. And, and I realize that the guys with the pitchforks and, uh, and uh, torches will be outside my door, but let's face it, I have a back door so I can get out of here. Okay, but let's say that it's immunizations. And with one autistic child, generally speaking, if you have another one, you're going to put them on the alternate immunization schedule if you immunize them at all. Okay, and those children usually don't get autism. Okay, if you had the prediction before the first one, you may say, hmm, well, I, it's my choice to immunize, but I'm going to choose this other immunization schedule with minimal immunizations, and I'm going to be careful of the the uh, glyphosate, the, uh, glyphosates and so forth and so on. You'd sit there with knowledge. This is this is empowerment. This is true empowerment. You'd sit there with knowledge and say, I'm not going to let you injure my child because I know that the probabilities are here and I'm not going to put them at risk. I'm going to feed them a certain way. I'm going to make sure that you don't overload them, you know, before their nervous systems even, you know, form with, uh, <laughs> with the heavy metals and so forth. So not only does this have, you know, a treatment value now, it has predictive value. I can see within two generations, if people would listen to Sterling and people like Sterling, you could turn that 1 in 55 back into 1 in 10,000. And it's possible. It's really possible. All you have to do is put your egos aside. I'm talking about your healthcare providers. Put your egos aside and look at it in a true holistic manner. In other words, look at everything. <laughs> Are you there? Sterling, it sounds like you got uh, you went down into a, like a dungeon or something. <laughs> anyway, um we have about five minutes left to the show. Is there any uh any parting words of wisdom you'd like to impart? Yeah, Sterling, are you there? Um, you know, look yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yes, I okay. can. Okay. Um, 
two other big genes I want everybody to look at, okay, that are on there, okay? There's one, it's called F2 prothrombin 2021A. It's under cardiovascular and clotting factors. And the other one, factor 5 Leiden, FVL, okay? If any one of you guys have this mess, it's just best to use precaution. It's not saying you're going to have a blood clot. Please keep an eye on your platelets, okay, guys? Those are two big mm-hmm. genes. We never see people homozygous with those SNPs because homozygous people really, I, I don't know of any that exist with them. So they, they can cause hyperplatelet function. But I want to tell you guys that things like this can be reversed. I had estrogen dominance. I had something called factor 8, factor 12. And then also the fluoroquinolones um, caused the clotting to trigger. And then I also mm-hmm. had hemochromatosis. So I had the perfect storm for being a blood clotter. And um, my platelet count was in the thousands. It's now in range, and it's at 330. And I am not on one um, prescription blood thinner anymore. I'm not telling anybody to get off their blood thinners. Always talk to your doctors. But things can be reversed by looking at your genetics That's right. and taking charge. Remember that never give up, never lose hope. I never gave, gave up, and I've been through a whole lot. Never yeah, give up. They're asking you. They're asking you to repeat those two SNPs. All right, factor five Leiden FVL. It's under clotting factors, and then also factor two prothrombin two hundred two one A. It is under cardiovascular lipid, but it should also be under clotting factors. I need to factor two. Factor two what? You said it too quickly. Prothrombin prothrombin two hundred two one A. O one A. Factor two plus rhombus. Okay. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, listen, I'll tell you something. Uh, this has been amazing. <laughs> this has been really amazing. Uh, everybody, the uh, archive of the um, of the show will be available almost immediately. Okay, so if you miss something, you can get it on the archive. Uh, and... Uh, so, Sterling, um, are you still doing consults, or I know that you were heading towards uh, not doing them anymore in favor of the snippets? Yeah, I, I really can't because we're coming out with a book to be able to help you guys understand this better and also the snippets. So, and, mm-hmm. and I have um, lectures that um, I, I will be attending throughout the next couple of years to try to educate the mass of practitioners out there to be able to help you all. Unfortunately, I'm spread so thin right now. I've had to put a mm-hmm. stop to them. And, um, and well, I, I know. Um, you, only there's, there's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that, there literally is only 24 hours in a day. Um, so anyway, listen, the, the British lady is telling me there's 10 seconds left. Anyway, so <laughs> Sterling, thanks so much. For being on the show and so thanks so much for doing everything that you do okay i gotta tell you um i hope everybody out there realizes that one of the reasons that this whole arena has been moving forward and i've seen it's like a wave it's like this big you know this big whale is moving an immense amount of water okay and it is a wave it is because is mainly because of you you started it and you keep it going okay and uh, frankly, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for teaching me, and thank you for uh, all of your all of your effort. Because let me tell you something: the world is 
a different place because of you, and it will be continuing to be a different place because of you. So thanks a lot. All right, people, I will see you hopefully again next week. Again, the archive will be on, on in case you missed anything. And, yes, there was an awful lot to listen to, so listen to it. Tell your friends. Uh, this was an amazing show. Thank you so much. You guys have a good week. I'm going to play my little exit theme. And um, here it comes. Getting from there to here. It's been a long time. But my time is You know, people, Sterling is just amazing as usual. Okay, but always remember that we recognize the fact that everybody with chronic illnesses, you're the strongest people out there. Okay, and need support. And that's what we're here for. Okay, that's why we study What you don't see going on in the background is all the research, all the time. All the uh, headbanging sessions we have trying to figure things out. Everybody using their own expertise to contribute. Okay, that's why this is uh, virgin. Okay, and that's why people are healing. So uh, I thank Sterling again, and I appreciate all of you guys' attention. You guys have a good night. See you next week, okay? Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.